Hey everybody, welcome to Brain Over Belly. I am David Brown from Everest Surgical Institute and Idaho BMI. This podcast is all about solving the puzzle of obesity and the other diseases that are overwhelming our society and shortening our lives. It is high time for a new approach and better understanding of what is really going on. What we are witnessing isn't normal. I want to pivot in a new direction. Let's get started now by putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Thank you for joining us. For the video version of Brain Over Belly, visit our Idaho BMI channel on youtube.com. Hey everybody, thank you for joining us. This is Brain Over Belly. Um, very excited to have with us today, Isabel Bilbao. She is one of our star patients at Idaho BMI. Well, thank you for having me. Star is a big word, but thank you. Well, we so appreciate you being here. Of course. Very excited to talk with you about your experience um, and uh, get your perspective on going through this, what that is like in life beforehand. Uh, for those uh, interested in the video version of the podcast, you can find that on our YouTube channel, Idaho BMI. Uh, so... Right off the bat, tell us about yourself. Okay. What do you do? Oh, I am. I'm a former newscaster here in the state of Idaho. Um, did that for 10 years overall and then left and I work in um, some of Idaho politics and policy, um, public affairs and public relations, um, different issues throughout the state of Idaho. So very much an Idaho native and I love being here. That's so great. Thank we you. We need you. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell us, tell me about... Your life before, you know, uh, bariatric surgery, what life was like growing up and okay. dieting and just thinking about weight and as it related, how it related to your life. So I'm 43 now. So my 42 years or almost 43 years before bariatric surgery. I think I started dieting at the age of 15 when I could buy Dexatrim off the shelves at the store and I didn't need it. Um, then but it you was, thought you did. I thought I did. Yeah. I, I, I think my first diet memory is squeezing my stomach and telling myself, you're so fat. And I was young and I wasn't, right? I was probably sitting and had some uh, squishy stomach. Right. Um, and then I naturally had a larger chest and that made me very insecure about my weight when weight really wasn't the issue on that. Um, but I made it the issue. And so I have can tell you that I have tried every single diet, um, probably except Jenny Craig and Nutrisystem. But any other one I can tell you from diets to ingestibles to shots to... I even tried about a bulimia and my mom caught me doing that. So I've, okay. I've tried it all. Um, what worked? Did anything work? No, I mean, it would work temporarily temporarily because I was going to make that work. But when life kicks in and you haven't really changed a habit, you've just been diligent for a little bit, it, it, it ended up not working. And I would, at the end of the day, gain all the weight back. How do you think that experience affected how you saw yourself? Oh, I, I, A, I saw myself as a failure on all levels and because I just couldn't ever get there. Why couldn't I hit those goals that I wanted and why wasn't I hitting what the diet told me I was supposed to be hitting? Um, and then I just always felt fat and it didn't matter what the weight was. I, I just never was confident in what I was doing because I was always spun up in my head if I was doing something right or wrong and how I was making it work and, and it wasn't working. And so I just was never calm about who I was in my body or dieting. 
Well, working in news media, mm-hmm. I would think that would be a significant challenge. You would. And it was, I, I, you know, Dr. Brown, I'll tell you, people will never call you and tell you, Hey, great story. And you look great today. They'll call you and say terrible story. And you're getting so fat. So really all the time people, we see it now on the internet, people write negative, right? That people aren't always encouraging. So I would, I was always self-conscious about how I looked. Um, always pulling on my suit jackets or I remember going to an interview and I, my suit jacket, I thought was too tight. So I grabbed a key and slit the back of it up. So it would be looser in the back just to make me feel better in the front. So all of this is reinforcing what you already think about yourself. Think and what people tell you. They, I um, come from, um, I don't know if it's a culture or a community or what, but no one's been shy to tell me if I get heavy. And so I always was heavy. It didn't matter if I had lost weight or not, people would tell me I was heavy. And so I really had no sense of who I was or what I was doing. So... <clears throat> Before we met, before mm-hmm. your journey here, what did you think, what did you perceive as the reason you couldn't lose weight and keep it off? Uh, well, uh, that I was an overeater. And I, I, I honestly think maybe I was an undereater too. I had talked to my friends and they were all much thinner than me, but ate more calories. And so I was not ever understanding what my body needed or what I need to be doing or have any sort of guidance on how to do that. So I think what was my perception? I was chaos in my head about what I should be doing. Did any of it make sense? No, nope, it did not. Do you think you're alone? Or- no, yes. <laughs> I think you go through it alone because weight and diet is a hard thing to talk about. Um, but I definitely know that I'm not alone. Um, in all those years, dieting, struggling with the way you see yourself. Um, Tell me about hunger, cravings. What was your experience just with that sort of the battle line of hunger and cravings and what you felt? I could... I was always hungry. I could say I could out eat any working man. Um, I don't, I wasn't a huge grazer, but I was a big eater. And I remember my grandmother once told me when I went for seconds, you eat like you are working so much. And I said, the first one's for taste. And the second is for like, the first is for hunger and the second's for taste. So I, I just, I ate a lot and I didn't know what was right or wrong to eat either. You know, I grew up with my mother cooking at home and we had good food, um, but I just could, out eat everybody. And I think that I just thought that's what I should do. So, and I snack food. Okay. That's honest. And I think that's a new thing for me to be honest about is I would eat something. If I knew I was going to some, somewhere where I wasn't sure if I was going to eat enough, I would eat before, or I ordered bigger portions thinking, Oh, what I really want is probably not going to be enough. I should, I should get the bigger portion. And that's embarrassing. Well, I think it's extremely common Traditional guidelines really tend to reinforce that idea. The idea that, hey, you know, I I hear this all the time that, oh, somebody, a doctor or friends told me I need to eat more. Otherwise, my body will go into starvation mode. So there's tons of confusion with, like you said, what is the right thing to do? Do I, is, is breakfast the number one meal of the day? Do I have to eat so many calories to lose weight? Am I not fueling my body? Then everyone else would say, close your mouth, quit eating and you'll lose weight. You can't win. You can't win. And I, it's, I wasn't afraid of exercise for a long time in my life. You know, I did the whole gym thing, the aerobics, like you can't win at the gym either. So they'd say, go to the gym, go. It was, I will say my head, if I were to describe it was just 
chaos? I think it's a very natural thing. I think it's a very common thing and it makes all the sense in the world. After all, I mean, who do you believe? There are so many different voices that tell you different things about what to eat, mm-hmm. how often to eat, exercise, its role in weight management and metabolism. Yep. I think you're absolutely right. There is chaos. Oh, yeah. Not just in people's minds and heads, but in this field, even in the medical community. Who's right? right. Who do you listen to? What should you do? And then your mind says, why am I not able to accomplish this? I'm an achiever. I like to do things. And so for someone like me, it's like, really this, I cannot beat this. And and I, at the end of the day, just couldn't get myself in a place where I could do this without seeking your help. So it didn't, it didn't make sense. And it's very consistent. I see a lot of people who are very high functioning, high performers, And there's this part of their life where they just feel chaotic. They feel like failures. And there's just this disconnect. It just doesn't make sense. And I am fun, I think. I like to have a good time. Yes, you are. So when you say, thank you, when you say, we're going to go out to drinks, we're going to go to dinner, let's go to this birthday party. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so I, eating and culturally eating is a fun thing, right? We sit around the, everyone gathers in the kitchen and you're picking and you're eating. And it's just part, it's a part of my everyday life. Have you had anybody tell you or suggest that your journey pursuing bariatric surgery was the easy way or it's a cop out. So I will say that I am very fortunate. And this is a really important question to me because I was fortunate that people in my life didn't, but I don't think I allowed them to. And I Hmm. know that um, having, I go to your group and I love the monthly group meetings. In fact, I missed a couple and I need to get back. Like, I feel like I need to be at group. I hear people say that all the time. And it's really disheartening for me because in order to get yourself To this point of saying, I need to go have surgery to lose weight, you've overcome a lot of internal obstacles to to be able to walk in the doors and and say, I need help. Um, And so when I hear people say that, it's unfortunate. I didn't let them because I would say, I'm getting it and I'm really excited about it. Now, so you'd sort of flip that. I would flip that and not really allow them. But I'm also that personality to not. What I've received from people is, great, you're doing great in six months or, you know, we're headed into my seventh month, but in three years, where are you going to be? And, you know, first of all, it's a little bit of a slap in the face. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have faith. But it also, I turned that to myself and said, where am I going to be in three years? And you're going to be in the exact same place today, you know, almost 100 pounds down that you are in three years. You, this is your goal and, and you're figuring it out. It's interesting. Um, even people who love us, it's a part of human nature. They can throw on some sabotage. Um, and there's been studies, I think it's been three years, maybe four years, that looked at, for example, uh, like a Christmas dinner, mm-hmm. Christmas banquet. It can be coworkers, friends, family, people you know well. You go into that setting with the idea that I'm, I'm going to hold to my diet, whatever that is. 98% of people in that setting whom you know and who love you, 98% of them will try to get you to compromise your goals. Mm-hmm. They do. So when I first read that data, I was very sort of discouraged about human nature. Like, what is up with this? Why do we do that? And I think, I don't know the answer to that, but I think just knowing that, can be helpful so that when it happens, you realize, okay, it's, it's just the way people are. It is. I actually experienced that through Chris, through Thanksgiving. I was in pre-op, um, post-op. Yeah. Cause I had 
my how many months is it now? Seven. So it was November 18th, 2022. So then I went through Thanksgiving post-op and I remember people were like, well, you can have, can't you, can't you have this? And I was like, no, I'm still two weeks. You know, I'm in my two week window before I could have my four solids. And well, can't you just have that? And I was, I, I, it one, one bite won't hurt. And I said, yeah, one bite will hurt. Like we, I'm on a program for me, it would hurt. Cause I needed to follow the program and achieve and, and to be successful, you have to believe in that. And that's, right. and I had to say no. And I, I didn't have a problem saying no, but I was shocked at how many times people said that. And these are people that love you. Oh, and they want me to succeed at this. And they're right. happy I'm doing this. Right. Yeah. So some, something quirky about human nature. It is It's universal pretty much. So seven months out, mm-hmm. um, Happy did it? Oh, I I can't tell you. My scale at home said I am one pound away from a hundred pounds down today. Seven months. Seven months. And I couldn't be more thrilled. I couldn't be more thrilled. So I started at 271 and today my scale said 172. And so that is, I, I, I can't even believe that I've gotten here this quickly and I have zero, zero regrets. Well, congratulations. Thank you. That's, that's, I didn't realize it was that much. I wanted to be able to say a hundred today. So I was oh. like, but I thought, don't be disappointed. Uh, that's amazing. So how has your life changed in seven months? Uh, it's changed. This, this is definitely not the easy way out. And that's something that I always tell people. Yeah. The first few months of surgery after you're through the surgical part and your body's back to normal, right? right? Weight falls off you. That's inevitable. You can't eat enough to not. Then you hit a point where those 20 pounds quickly is becoming 10. And I started to get discouraged. I'd come into your office to talk to people here and say, is that enough? Um, But, you know, trust the process is a big thing for me right now. And I I really have put myself into your, into trusting what you say and going with it. Um, So, but every day I decide how I'm going to be. And I wake up and say, am I really hungry? And we talk about weight. The one thing I've known is there's two hungers in me. There's my mouth head and there's my stomach. And my mouth head speak a very different language than my stomach. So I say, okay, stomach, are you hungry? And no, I'm, I'm not. And so I start my morning with my water and I've created my routines and I follow the fasting. Now there's times when I will say, okay, I'm legitimately hungry in my stomach and I'll eat, you know, something of a meat or a cheese or protein or something like that. But yeah, trying to tell myself, really listen to who you are today, Isabel, and what, if you're really hungry. Um, Seven months. Is it becoming easier? I am more confident. So yes, I would say that's becoming easier, but I think that it's a conscious decision every day. For me, um, weight loss is a maintainable weight now is something that I really want to focus on. So yeah, making the right choices is something I have to do, but it is definitely easier. I don't have the sugar cravings, but I haven't given into sugar. Okay. And that's why. So I want to ask... Um, you know, I'm obsessed with the brain, the nervous yeah. system and its role in all of this. Could you speak to any changes you have experienced before surgery, after surgery in just perception, sensory perception, smell, taste, anything that you noticed that changed? So A, that lettuce is supposed to keep us thin hurts <laughs> so much. So I, I don't do lettuce. Um Yeah. I think I don't have any, I don't have the sugar cravings. And if that's where you want it, like that's what you're kind of referring to. That's a big one for me. I'm more of a salt person. So this works really well, but I haven't even wanted like sugary stuff because I just haven't, I've stuck to the plan and not needed it. And so I haven't wanted it. I don't have those cravings at all. And you did before surgery. Yeah. Oh yeah. I could go through like kids candy in no time. 
And there's a, a absolute neurological explanation for that. It's like electronics. It's so, crazy to grasp. Yeah. Um, but you've experienced that. What about other stuff? Just like sense of smell, sense of taste. I really like... I really like good food. Um, I think that that's been an interesting change for me as I don't want process. I have not, I love fast food. And when people act like they don't, I'm like, oh, come on. It's the best stuff out there. <laughs> it is. I don't want it. And I, even the thought of like going and taking the meat out and having, I just don't want it. I, I haven't had that desire to have it. I think that that's a part of the surgery mm-hmm. and the nerve. And I think that's a part of telling myself that's okay to not want it and you don't need it. So I think both work in tandem. Right. A lot of people that I visit with after surgery, and this is, this happens very quickly, they describe a, a significant change in their perception as they watch other people eat. Yes. Yes. Does that make sense I, to you? 100%. Yeah. So I, I don't have, I don't know if my sense of smell has increased and I'm not sure my taste has changed. I do have a perception of watching other people eat. Um, I, it's interesting to see people's choices and I, for myself think, huh, I want, I would not make that choice right now. And I'm proud of myself, I think is what I've realized. I don't, I don't want what other people are having. And I used to want two times it. And that's what people describe. They say, and this is within two weeks of surgery. They'll very often say, you know what? I'm, I realize my goodness, I can't believe what people are eating and how much they're eating. And of course they've been around that all their lives, but for some reason, and yes, it, I think part of it can be explained by that, you know, you buy a car and you realize in the two weeks following that, everybody seems to be driving that. Yeah. There's some of that, but also I think there is an actual neurological change in sensory perception, even at that level of seeing food, seeing... Um, food isn't as exciting to me anymore. And I do believe that has changed. And I sometimes think how weird that is, right? That it hasn't changed or that it has changed. I don't care about it as much. See, and if you, if you see bariatric surgery as, Hey, you know, you had a sleeve gastrectomy we removed 75, 80% of your stomach. We simply made the stomach smaller. That wouldn't, I mean, if that is our understanding of the operation, it wouldn't make any sense. That wouldn't explain these changes that, that you've experienced. Again, it's just supporting all the data now that says, look, this is neurological, it's hormones, there's so much that is changing after surgery. I mean, it really, it's a part of personality. That I guess I haven't really had time to even explore that because I do know that the stomach makes me full, right? Mm-hmm. That's a given. You've cut, like you said, 75 to 80% of it or stapled it, however that works. But the, the change in my mentality of it is, has been, it's been interesting for me to try to grasp. Even like I like cocktails and I, I just don't care about it as much. Right. Like, isn't that interesting? It is interesting. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think about food to go somewhere anymore. Okay. And that's, I love that. Uh, because you know, when I meet people for the first time, a lot of times, a lot of people will get tearful and they'll just say, I'm just so tired of constantly thinking about it and worrying about this battle in my life. And because of people like you, I will t- reassure them like, look, believe it or not, you can get to a place where you really don't think about food, you're not worried about it, and it really is a very authentic and deep form of freedom. I think that your clients like me would, would recognize when I say, well, I was eating one meal, 
I was thinking about the next, right? Like I, if I was eating this, I couldn't wait to eat the next one. And so I don't go through that anymore. The fasting experience has helped me and just my non-interest in food has helped me. And I know that when I go somewhere, if I'm going to eat, I can find something on the menu that, that works for what I should be eating. I have no problem with that. And a lot of people worry about that. I know. And I get it. Um, I'm, I'm very simple. I, I repeat the same things pretty much every day. And so going out to eat something pe- people worry about, I get a piece of meat, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of broccoli, asparagus, and that's it. And it, it actually simplifies things for me. I, I think it's really easy to eat out, especially under the kind of the keto lifestyle and that um, eating that way. There's always, every restaurant has a chicken, salmon, meat. Every yep. restaurant yep. has a veggie option, you know, and I don't, I would have felt like you were depriving me but pre-surgery and saying I couldn't have the tortilla with the taco. And now I just, I, I don't miss it. There's something about that scarcity mindset. It, it's so hard for people to imagine before, mm-hmm. before surgery and all these changes, it's hard for them to imagine being in a place where you don't care about food and you don't feel that scarcity or that worry or that... Uh, feeling like you're missing out on something. Yeah. Oh, I, it, it causes anxiety. And now it just, it doesn't. Plus you order something at a restaurant and you can eat on it for three days, <laughs> which it's I love. Economical. <laughs> um, it, it's a, it's an undescribable change. And I think that you guys do a good job of trying to describe that, but it is really, it just happens. And, and you gotta, you have to believe right? You have to be ready for it um, and know that you can, know that, yes, I will figure this out along the way. Trusting in the system and the program and people to some degree. It's why like your program and what I've, you know, what I looked into, um, because I finally turned to some of my friends and I was like, I'm getting bariatric surgery. And I just kind of blurted it out. And one of them said, well, I've wanted to tell you that I think you should, but how do you tell your friend that? Right. 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 <laughs> Come Awkward. on. It's time for you to go get operation. Um, but, uh, knowing I was ready and putting it out there and then you're coming every month and holding myself accountable here has been really good with no pressure. Right. I don't have to get on the scale every week or had a bad week and it uh, fluctuates. So it's, it's been nice. And I think that's the, the meetings are nice to have, um, to go to and people really understand each other. And there's people of different levels in this. It makes me feel good when I, you know, come here at seven months to see some of these people have been here three, five, seven years Mm -hmm. and still doing well and still struggle, but talk about it and, and it helps get you through the next we are social creatures. Mm-hmm. I think it's very helpful. The Facebook page is actually quite amazing too for me. Good. Yeah. Good. It pops up and I go through and read people's struggles. And I've connected with some um, patients here where one just checked on me the other day because I said, I think I've stalled. And then she wrote back, how are you doing? And I said, I, I, I moved forward. So it was like, great. Congrats. I love that. Yeah. It's been nice. Has there been anything that's been surprising? Surprising. I think all of it's surprising, right? Like I'm seven months out and a hundred pounds down. And so to be able to get dressed every day and not worry about that is also a relief, right? No matter if you put on a jeans and a t-shirt, you feel good, you look good, and you can walk out your door with confidence. And I think that that's been surprising that I'm, I feel so good about myself. I'm sleeping through the night. I was going to ask you about sleep. I'm sleeping through the night and I have more energy than 
I've ever had. I drink maybe a half of half a cup of coffee during the week. I, I'm not a big coffee drinker, so I can't say that it's a caffeine intake. I don't do popper or coffee. Right. My energy levels through the roof. I want to be more active. And I used to be, and then I went through a no active period and I actually want to be active now. Um, and yeah, I, I just, the energy level and the sleep at night, I'm not sweating. I'd wake up sweating. You could put my, in Idaho, it's 65 degrees in my house or open my window in the winter to keep myself sound like sweating me. through the night. <laughs> Pretty common. <laughs> um, well, I love that because honestly, my highest goal for people, for you is the way you see yourself and the way that you see your potential. So I thank everybody for telling me how great I look losing weight, right? That's awesome that from mm -hmm. the outside, um, because everyone always says they can, people can say whatever they want about your outside, but inside you have a different feeling about mm -hmm. yourself. Even at 270, people were always like, oh, you're, you know, you look great. But inside, I didn't feel good. Not about even my physical look, just health. I felt my head was foggy. I felt like I was drained all the time. My favorite hour was between five and seven when I could take my best nap in the evening. Right. And then what, what does that do to you? Um, so I feel, I tell people, thanks for telling me how good I maybe look on the outside to you, but inside I feel healthy. That is so great. Thank you. Has it changed? And you're a confident person. I mean, you, uh, you uh, okay. You I come like across. People, I come across that way, but I have my deep insecurities too, right? Sure. And so that's a, that's a reality. Has this journey affected at all what you perceive as your potential? Yes, in a positive way. So I think I, I have to say that I haven't always been confident. People think I am because I put myself out there, mm -hmm. um, but I have my own insecurities. This has helped me say, I, I'm more confident to go do those things that I already did. And I'm really committed to this and I'm really an advocate for Idaho BMI. So I'm really confident being out there talking about it. And I think that's been nice too, because I want people to feel good. So it makes me feel good to go tell them about it. So I think the greatest, this is going to sound cliche, maybe the greatest uh, tragedy is loss of human potential mm -hmm. and regret yeah. associated with that. And so that's absolutely my greatest. It's the best thing I hear is people seeing themselves differently and having more confidence and feeling like, you know what? I got a mission on the planet. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go after it and I'm going to do it. It's the and, best thing. And this helps you because Physic your physical look isn't everything at all. And I, I will right. be the first to say that, um, but it does help. It just takes that step off what you got to do next. And it's how you can walk up the stairs. I feel like, oh, I can walk up the stairs better. I had, I was throwing out my back left and right. And I couldn't figure out why since losing the weight, I haven't experienced that at all in the seven months. And I, those are, those are things I just thought was part of aging, right? My knees feel better. My, so pain's gone down. Oh, immensely. Uh, anything else improve? I mean, I can't remember medications or anything yep. like that. So I was on, um, sertraline, the antidepressant. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had a lot of like family stuff and just personal stuff that probably put me there, but I don't need that anymore because, um, I feel like this has helped boost my, that feeling of to reduce anxiety or depression. Um, I was on levothyroxin for my thyroid. We've dropped that down a little bit. And I'm hoping I could get off that. And I think you can. I, awesome. you'll, you're the doctor's so have to ask you later. Um, and I was on metformin for insulin resistant. And mm -hmm. I'm completely off of that. 
Do you know what your A1C is? Uh, you, I think it's 4.7. You said yeah. it was better than yours, I yes. think. <laughs> I think mine's 4.8. I think I told everybody that. No, that is seven months. Mm -hmm. Seven months. And when you understand what is causing stuff like cancer, Alzheimer's, heart disease, uh -huh. it's these things. And to see that big of a difference in seven months, that's that's just amazing. Thank you. And I, I work in an environment where I travel. I'm in public places. So, you know, having drinks, like people get really worried about the alcohol stuff. I would go to a bar. I was traveling while I was... I got my first bite of cottage cheese two weeks after <laughs> I was in Nevada for a conference. And so I went with, and I went to the bar with everybody there and I had an olive juice and they poured me a little cup of olive juice and put some olives in there. And I, you can fit, you can make it work wherever you want to be. If you want to make it work. Um, a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, I had a patient who traveled a lot. Uh, he was in tech. He traveled throughout Asia, like mm. constantly. And he was very worried beforehand look, I'm in airports. How am I going to do this? You know, having such a restricted diet and lifestyle. And I did my best to reassure him, say, look, actually it adds a lot of flexibility. And about nine months after surgery, he came back and said, you were totally right. I, as long as I have my liquid, my hydration, I don't, I'm in no hurry to find food. So it's, it's a really interesting thing. You really can make it work it's actually easier to yeah. make it all work. You're in no hurry to find food. That's exactly right. the right way to describe it. And when you find food, you're happy that there's something you can eat. You eat what you can of it, and then you're just done. Yeah. And you do get a nice full feeling. And I think those of us who've suffered from overeating or um, needing to feel that full, right? You get you get a feel of that full. I get um, people have their different symptoms, right? I, yep. I burp a little bit and I'm yeah. like, oh, there we go. I know I'm done. I can feel it. That's really what, what caught my attention about nine years ago is people coming back two months, three months after surgery and saying, you know what? I get to a certain point in a meal and I start sneezing. I, yeah, I always wanted to feel that or the runny or nose. Or hiccups or runny nose. And it, you know, after a while I realized, wait a minute, this is all neurological. Uh -huh. And so. And, you're, and you, your body's telling you. The other thing I did was during pre-op, um, pre I went with a couple of friends to McCall and they had meals and I had broth and I brought my little broth cubes and it was Yummy. it was perfect. I was fine, but I pulled out my timer and they were eating and I was watching and this is pre-surgery. And I said, you guys, you know, Dr. Brown said that we need to wait every two minutes. So you made me so proud. Thank you. So one of them said, bring the timer out. So I put that hour or that minute glass yeah, out of whatever it was, timer. sand timer. And they were eating and they stopped. And then I was like, okay, you can take another bite. <laughs> and she, one of my friends said, oh my gosh, I would have eaten this. And she goes, I got full. I enjoyed my meal. Like I stopped, figure out what bite I was going to have. And she doesn't need surgery and very eats well, that Interesting. but she was eating so fast. And that was funny to watch me because I eat fast. And so, and even now I have to stop and say, okay, get out your timer, Yep. pull it out. That's a good girl. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Well, any recommendations to people who maybe have the same struggle? Um, explore. Don't don't think you can't do it. Right? Don't think this is something that you can't do. You can. Have the mindset that it's not, this isn't the fix-all, right? This is a really good tool. And what really helped me get there is I didn't have, when you're dieting, you're constantly up and down on the scale because you guys can tell me all the time, don't be addicted to that scale, but it's my worst addiction. I get it. And so don't, you know, you lose a few pounds, you lose 10 pounds in a traditional diet and, and things fluctuate and you get really, then you'll gain a couple and then you're down a couple and you'll gain a couple. And then you're just, I would eat 
because I was so mad that I was like, forget it. I, this isn't going to work. I'm just going to eat through it. Revenge eating. Revenge eating. Yes. Right. And so, um, what this really helped me do is this gives you, it propels you right into thinking, oh my gosh, I am losing weight and I can do this. And it's momentum. It's momentum and it's quick momentum. And that's the beauty of that. That's what some people criticize, but that's the beauty of it is it makes you feel like, you know what? I can do this. And then just keep going and getting in those groups and letting, seeing that other people are like, oh man, maybe I shouldn't even eaten this, but you do it. You get back the very yep. next meal. Yep. So. Well, as I said in the beginning, you're one of our stars. Thanks. And I'm not people, done yet. People can, can see that pretty clearly. I would love to be a resource for any of your patients. If they ever say like, Hey, we need to talk to someone. I'm free to talk to people about my experience. I have no problem saying, you know, what I weighed, how I got here and the, the concerns and struggles I had, because I think they're pretty real for most people. And, um, this is a good, this is a good avenue to start exploring. And the group of people that are, that are your patients and have done well are a great group to talk to and to meet with because I think so. they, they're, they are. Yeah. And to watch people's change, people that I started the group with and to see where we've all come seven months later in different weights. It's like, you can't help but be proud of them too. And yourself. Absolutely. It, it's it's really, so fun to watch. It's really actually a fun journey if you want it to be. Well, I uh, very much respect your journey, thank you. your perspective, your success. And thank you for being here, having this conversation and really being a great example for other people and giving hope, really. I can blab on about whatever I want. It's just a different, it's a different influence. And I think it's very important. So thank you so much, yes. Isabel, for yeah. joining us. It's it's hard to watch your stuff and listen to your podcast and watch your videos and say, really, my nerve is going to change. This is all going to change in my brain. <laughs> but it actually, it works. It really works. <laughs> yeah, I nerd out sometimes, yeah. a lot of times. So- Thank you for joining us. Um, we'll see you next time. Thank okay. you, Isabel. Thank you.